Hi everyone, I'm Kitty and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined with Leora Hadass, an assistant professor at the Department of Cultural, Media and Visual Studies at Nottingham University, and Morgan Porter. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the representation of queer women in film and TV. I just want to start by getting how you feel queer women are like represented in film, TV, overall. I think we've made some really good progress yeah. uh, over the years with uh, the representation of women as a whole and yeah. queer women specifically. I think we've still got a way to go. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting because on the one hand, obviously, you see you're seeing greater numbers and more, for lack of a better word, explicit representation. Yeah. Um, women in relationship with other women. You no longer need to hide it. It's no longer coy and wink, wink. Um it's becoming more of a thing that can be obviously included. Yeah. But then um, you still see that in many times these relationships are handled in this way that's either slightly hesitant or, yeah. um, you know, downright ends in uh, one of them dying. Yeah. Uh, it's really quite surprising yeah. that on the one hand we recognise that cliche of the dead lesbian, but then on the other hand we can't break free of it. Yeah. So on the one hand we're doing a lot better than we were five, ten, obviously twenty and more yeah, years definitely. ago. Uh, especially, it's, it's especially exciting to see it, you know, in children's animation, yeah. in those genres that are oriented at younger audiences. Yeah. Um, but it is still, you know, especially when we look at the behind the scenes stories of these um, children's animation, yeah. uh, we still it, it is still very much an uphill struggle mm. um, to get stories that are not just explicit and clear, but positive. So, I guess different kinds of representation, I think... One that I find quite, I don't want to say, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Not necessarily in a good way. Just um, interesting. Yeah. So queer baiting. Um, basically a marketing technique used in entertainment um, to hint at, but not actually depict same-sex romance. Yeah, not outright stated. Yeah. So... Like, what do you think about that? I think it's not it's not great. Yeah. I'm used to it, but that doesn't make it good. Yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of the time, queer women queer women are pushed kind of to the wayside because anything male dominated, even queerness, is yeah. more important. Yeah, so definitely. I think a lot of um, gay men got, get queer baited a yeah. lot, but it ha- still happens um, yeah. on the opposite anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but then again, you when you're not looking for them, they're everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I think, I don't know, like you said, gay men are more, I don't know how to say it, like... <laughs> just, oh, what's the word? Just more prominent, more, just more? <laughs> yeah, I'd say more represented, Yeah, I guess. Potentially more kind of palatable. Yeah, definitely. More, like for the audience to like stomach yeah although saying that i think it's found that gay men they are a stereotype for them is obviously like the gay best friend and i think for most queer characters it's they are only a side character i think it's very rare that they're playing a main part in they're just there yeah. For that reason, they yeah. have a character. They don't stray from it. They sort of, yeah. yeah. They're, I think they're just there to get like 
I don't want like points. Yeah, to kind of yeah, exactly diversity yeah. points yeah. to kind of advance the plot, but not in their direction yeah. away from them. Yeah. yeah, definitely. We've got to be careful with that term queer baiting because it tends to get um, thrown around quite widely, um, perhaps more widely than it should be, um, and. There are other ways to screw up queer relationships in media. Uh, but definitely there is, I think, uh, some kind of, I don't know if awareness that the audience is more interested, but awareness that um, queer relationships, the inclusion of queer, queer relationships, gets positive media attention. Um, and so I, I think when we say queer baiting, we, we possibly need to switch um, the target Right now, when you have things like Disney's 57th first gay character, it has more to do with this explosion of media attention. And I think the distinction is important because it tells us, you know, when we know who this is being done for and what's the point behind it, we can combat it more easily. Instead of saying, you know, this is not about we as queer audience are not going to watch this show, we also have to be mindful that, that, um, that the media, the news media, the media, the media, news media, you know, the Hollywood press, etc., are, are in a way complicit in promoting this act of saying, oh, we're progressive, but then obviously and then it's just a two-second thing can be covered. As well, with queer baiting, I think it's mostly female sexuality that is used. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because it's a horrible thing to say, but I think female sexuality does sell. Exactly, yeah. and it sells universally, yeah. whereas um, sort of male, sex- male sexuality is a very almost niche market because yeah. sort of straight men, there is like, there's essentially nothing in it for them. No. And I think women are a lot more, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a good thing, but it's just the truth. Yeah, definitely. And I think that just... Obviously, it's completely not right for female sexuality to be this big marketing scheme and everything, but it is mostly female sexuality. And I think that's because, obviously, that appeals to men much more than, say, male sexuality, because they're getting something out of it. Yeah. I think most of the time... It's this whole thing, isn't it? It's men find <laughs> lesbians attractive. It only took, what, three minutes yeah. to hit that point. Literally. <laughs> um, and I think when you think about like the entire world yeah. and it's like men versus women, it's, it's about equal. It's not like there's like about 10 times more men in the mm. whole world than women. But men will voice their opinions. They will speak up. They think that what they're saying is more important, more yeah. valuable, etc. And so if they're not getting what they want, full stop, but certainly in terms of media and entertainment, what they're sort of mm-hmm. paying for, then you're going to know about it. Yeah. And it does, it comes down to what sells and what doesn't. Yeah. And who's going to complain about it. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, men find female sexuality attractive, which is why, well... I'm assuming this is why companies use female sexuality because they're like, oh, this is going to appeal 
to these to this certain demographic that we want to make it appeal to like um i don't know if you know about the male gaze theory yeah, yeah. that's essentially what it is just yeah. it has appealing. dollar signs on it yes. yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> So talking about some examples of this, um, I don't know, have you, have you seen Blue is the Warmest Colour? Um, or like know about it? I, yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah. So essentially what it is, it's this film about this girl who is confused about her sexuality um, and she ends up breaking up with her boyfriend and ends up going out with another woman. And throughout this film... There's many unneeded sex scenes, um, but in particular, there is one, and it is 10 minutes long, which is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you would not get this with a heterosexual Any other f- no. sex scene. You absolutely wouldn't. And I think what makes it worse is it was, the film was directed by a man, and that 10 minute sex scene was orchestrated yeah, by the yeah. male director. And I think that just, I think that shows it is the male gaze. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> 10 minutes? Why? Just straight up yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, that's just completely unneeded. And like I said, you wouldn't see that anywhere else. No, anywhere else. If you, minute by minute, add up the, like, the total running time of the film versus yeah. the amount, like, the length of the sex scenes. Yeah then you're going to get quite a small fraction. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Uh, another one. I don't exactly know how to pronounce it. I think it's... Giggly? Jiggly? Anyway. <laughs> so, it's a romantic comedy, which is also directed by a man. And in this film, a man is trying to consistently seduce a lesbian. Rings, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the entire the entire film and the concept of it kind of pushes the message that a gay person is only gay until they find the right yeah, partner of yeah. the opposite sex um, to quote unquote fix them, yeah. which obviously is not going to happen if you're gay. You're gay, um, and I think the message that film is pushing obviously is extremely damaging for gay people and the LGBT community. Um, and I just think, again, directed by a man, what is it with these men directing all these films with queer women in and just completely... just doing it completely wrong, I'd say. I think, in a lot of ways, it's the only way um, that queer women are sort of palatable for a male audience. Yeah. If it's sort of male literally male dominated if it's directed by a man if it's sort of it's all orchestrated by a man um then they are telling our story rather than us yeah and then because they will argue that it's the only way to make it sell to make it kind yeah. of profitable and that's the overall goal yeah definitely so kind of talking about a film you said you wanted to talk about but i'm a cheerleader yes now i haven't actually seen the film oh, you have to watch it i know i <laughs> I keep meaning to watch it, but I haven't got around to it yet. They've made so. it into a musical too. Really? Yes. Oh, amazing. Even more reason to watch <laughs> it. Um, so 
I didn't look, I had a look over yeah. it, but maybe if you can just tell me how you feel they're represented. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to start off by saying it is such a good film. Yeah. But it has its, uh, it has its limits. Yeah. This was like a 1999, 2000 film. Mm-hmm. It has its limits. So basically um, it centres around, I think her name's uh, Megan mm-hmm. um, and she's um, this 17 year old um, American cheerleader. She's sort of that kind of uh, blueprint for the like all American girl. Like um, femme representing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um sort of that era of films. Yeah. yeah. Um and she she kind of she loves her high school, she loves cheerleading, mm-hmm. she has this like quarterback boyfriend. Um but she like doesn't she's not really interested in, in him. She doesn't really want to kiss him. She's sort of yeah. more she'd rather look at the other cheerleaders. Yeah. Um and sort of that coupled with like her interest in uh, vegeta- vegetarianism. Yeah. And um I think it's Melissa Etheridge she loves. Um, her family, her parents kind of um, stage an intervention um, and send her off, literally pack her off to this um, conversion camp. Oh, right. Um, like you said, sort yeah. of like to fix, yeah, uh, to gay people, to fix them. Um, and obviously she isn't happy about this. She is kind of struggling with questioning her sexuality. Yeah. Um, and she, it's a very long-winded plot, but she um, she meets this sort of like rebellious teen lesbian yeah. uh, called, I think her name's Graham. Yeah, um, that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're both in a similar position when they meet that they, Graham is a lot more sort of sure of her sexuality, but she's kind of gone to this, agreed to go to this conversion camp yeah. um, so she, that she doesn't get, get disowned and sort of Megan's going through the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and they sort of, they sort of become, like they become close, they become friends and they start sort right. of like falling in love. Um, and a load of other stuff happens. <laughs> and... Um, Something that really sticks out to me um, is they call them uh, ex ex gays. Oh. So like certainly when the people are older, so like they they were gay, yeah. they've been to the camp, so they're ex gays. But then they've like they haven't repented, they haven't kind of stuck with it, I guess. Yeah. So they're ex ex gays. Yeah. And it's just a very long winded way to get back to kind of the position that they were in. Yeah. For, uh, in at the start. <laughs> Another one you said about, I think. What was it? Chasing Amy? Yeah, yeah. This one. When you mentioned yeah. the one that I can now cannot remember the name <laughs> of, yeah, that struck a lot of chords. Um, people say that um, The Room is the worst film ever made, but I genuinely think it is Chasing Amy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually, uh, it's a Kevin Smith film, which kind of tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was like, it was inspired by his experience of an ex or something like that. Right. It was written by him, directed by him, etc. Um, and it shows, it really shows. <laughs> um, so basically, in short, like it's about these two um, male best friends who are like comic book creators, writers, yeah. whatever. Um, and they're at a comic book convention and they meet another female comic book author who um, one of them like immediately falls in love with, but she's a lesbian. Right. And he spends the whole movie... Um, obsessed with her like in love with her immediately in love with her convinced trying to convince her yeah, to I go out with him. this is a common theme yes definitely a common theme um and i think specifically this film why it's so harmful is it does um reinforce that kind of belief that um like she's not a lesbian you've just not tried hard enough yeah just if you keep yeah. uh like grinding her down then yeah. you'll get her eventually yeah um it doesn't it doesn't end in the worst possible way. No. Um, she kind of has a new girlfriend as, you know, they're not 
the man is finally out of the picture. Right. Um, but it takes two hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's like a, there's a bit sort of in the middle of the film where, um, so basically he has sort of worn her down enough and she's right. slept with him and they're actually like in a relationship, if you can call it that. Okay. Um, and I think his best friend's really jealous mm-hmm. um, of this relationship and so kind of digs up the dirt on her or whatever and tells his friend that like um, once she had like a threesome with two men and like that doesn't make her a lesbian and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and then so he confronts her and he's really annoyed, like really angry about it because he thinks that or he feels that um, she led him to believe that uh, he was he kind of turned her. He was oh, the only God. man. Yeah. The only oh, man God. that she'd ever slept with. It was just like this fluke freak thing yeah um oh, awful stuff <laughs> like i don't know about you but there's been many occurrences where someone has been like yeah. i can turn you straight <laughs> i don't think you can i'd like to see you try yeah <laughs> definitely i think it's definitely a common theme and to see obviously in films to see men try to i guess wear down yeah lesbians or any queer woman i think that also reinforces the say a young man watch that yeah i feel like that can obviously i guess affect them yeah they'll see that and think in their head yeah Yeah, they'll see that and be like oh yeah that means i can do that or that's fine so I kind of want to go through, I guess, how representation has changed. Because uh, I also, I don't want it to just be all negative. Yeah, I yeah, do yeah. want to include some, <laughs> I guess, more because, positive. Yeah. Hopefully it's on the up. Yeah, yeah, we can only hope so. I want to start by, I guess, going over the first on-screen female same-sex kiss. Yes. So this was on, it was in 1994, um, on a television program called Brookside. Yeah. And this on-screen kiss happened before the 9pm watershed. So it was kind of a bit... Big deal, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big deal already. (laughs) It actually happened almost 20 years after the first male on-screen kiss. And I think that just really... That sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that just shows how female sexuality is much more... I don't want to say, like, offensive, but... But it is. But it is. (laughs) And it's... It's it's somehow more offensive, but also a lot less important. Yeah. Um, and I think the irony is that in some ways, um, sort of a same-sex female kiss is going to be, um, like, more palatable because of yeah. the whole that, like, straight men are going to probably enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas, um, stereotypically, like, the same-sex male kiss, there is, like, a lot smaller audience whatever for it like people don't supposedly don't want it or whatever yeah like we were saying earlier to men a male on screen kiss is most likely not going to be yeah what what they want what they want going on some a better representation um i don't know if you've seen on netflix there's a series called feel good yes i yes. fucking love it it's so, so much. good isn't it yeah. it's so good and i think we're definitely now getting into more progressive storylines mm. and more i guess accurate representations yeah, of queer relationships 
I think feel good is a really good example yeah. because um well not only is it sort of like autobiographical or whatever yeah. um but you've got one main character who is like quest- has then questioned yeah. struggled her sexual uh, struggled with her sexuality um you know has sort of started it thinking she's straight and then yeah. you know has found out otherwise yeah. and it's been done in a really really good way sort of it's not offensive it's very like you said it's very real it's very accurate yeah. um and then the real sort of like main character the protagonist um is then struggling with her like gender identity and yeah. i think the reason it's so good is because it's in no way is it like a traditional relationship even like if you can say like a traditional lesbian yeah. relationship yeah. um and yeah i think i think that's what we need more of definitely i think it's just so refreshing to see something that's not made for men exactly yeah uh, well again again because it's like autobiographical like that is all from may martin yeah and love may martin yeah so much like i I'm, i watched it with my mom and she kind of she got so much from it yeah. in a good way i think yeah we sort of really understood each other more after yeah. having watched it so killing eve yes i'm waiting to watch series four i think oh my god <laughs> i'm not gonna spoil anything but thank it's you so good it. it's so good um obviously it follows eve and villanelle yeah and throughout the the program you're getting almost like teasers of them yeah and but it's not queer baiting no it's it's very hard to kind of define explain the difference but it is yeah it just seems genuine yeah and actually um so i was reading i don't remember what i was reading but obviously um phoebe waller bridge is like a big part of that Mm. show writing and stuff um and again a lot of the kind of the representation and the sort of accuracy of it is from her they have a really really good kind of diverse team and it makes all the difference yeah definitely like i think there is like such a fine line between queer baiting and just slow burn yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um but yeah definitely i wouldn't consider killing eve to be queer baiting because there are parts where it i guess like blossoms yeah and you see it i think I think it's because, like, I know they are characters, but I think it's because it really does seem genuine. Yeah. However, kind of, much they shouldn't be together or however they're feeling, it seems real. Yeah, definitely. And it's not, in terms of the male gaze, there sort of, there really isn't one in that sense. No. I think even just to have those two, like, if anything passes the uh, the Bechdel test, you know? Yeah. Um to have those two really kind of strong independent female characters mm-hmm. quite literally running the show yeah um and sort of all the plot lines and everything is a really big deal um and i think that probably makes all the difference that they're just being themselves there's no yeah. like formative element it's not for men it's not because of man yeah just them thank you for listening to my podcast and thank you to my guests for joining me